2 Corinthians 11:22 through 12:4. Following the reading of the word, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so, and far more labors, and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews thirty-nine lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers from false brethren. I have been in labor and in hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and in thirst, often without food, cold and exposed. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all of the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast on what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, He who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the Antioch under Arius... The king was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and so escaped his hands. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up into the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Father, help us to hear the heart of this man. Though your Spirit is leading him in the writing of this letter, and the fact that he has to defend himself is the tragedy And yet, Father, we here today are fruit of this man's labors. Father, may we understand that. May we understand that defense is purely for the sake of truth. It's not for the man. And Father, may we see the humility in this man, Paul. And Father, may it be something that we set our souls to. That we be overwhelmed. And that, Father, we embrace it and rejoice in it. Thank you, my King, for this section of Scripture. Father, thank you that you are showing each of us spiritual warfare, the battle that rages. And Father, let us understand that it is not new, even if we are in it. May our love for you grow with every breath you grace us, and may we be overwhelmed of just purely being children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Christ's name, amen. I'm looking at a section now, basically, through the 13th verse of chapter 12, probably, where the Apostle Paul basically wants to contrast himself to his accusers. All right? I remember one time years ago where I had a little issue, and uh, some people had made some accusations, and my only defense was, compare the fruit. I mean, I don't have to... 
you know, make excuses or anything like that. This is what I've been doing. This is what they've been doing. You tell me. Okay, now, it had no effect, <laughs> but um, it, what I want you to think about is when the Apostle Paul is comparing himself, what he's saying is, uh, let me show you the fruit. Let me show you what I've been doing. And, um, and, and, and it's, it's a stark contrast. There's a part of me, uh, I, and I still wrestle, and I, and I think it's just me, is why does he even have to do this? Alright, but I understand the urgency, because he's dealing with the doctrine of demons have crept in behind him. You know, it's just like in that letter from Pastor Philip, a, a man had stepped away from the Hindus, but under the persecution has started to drift back. All right. How many people have you seen that way? We, I, I guarantee every one of us in this room have seen someone who looked like they were just on fire for the Lord. And then all of a sudden, what happened? And, and part of that is, is that I shared with you in chapter 10 that we're dealing with speculations and lofty ideas raised up against the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and it's, and it's, uh, and it's troubling. I, I mean, I, I listen to stuff today that are going on in churches in our community and I keep thinking, why would you tolerate that? I mean, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to be rude or nothing, but you don't have to be a theologian to see some of this. And yet, it, it, I don't know what causes it. I mean, it's, you know, we can get into, well, are they really saved or they're not really saved? Well, whatever it is, deception, you don't even have to be good at it anymore. Okay, because I'm learning the new word. Our vocabulary grows as our society evolves. We call it embellishment. That's kind of fun. It's embellishment. We used to call it lying, but it's embellishment now. All right. And I watch this and, you know, you can, you can think about it. Well, I've watched it on the news or the politicians. Or, no, man, that's the church. Watch what churches do. Watch what people in church do. All right. And 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 I and I see this all the time and it's it's common. I mean, it's not like, you know, it used to be, oh my. But now it just goes on. Men would be disqualified from the pulpit and so they just go start a church somewhere else. And a whole bunch of people go with them. And you're sitting there go, but he was disqualified. Well, but he's a really nice person. Well, do you many crickets? That's what they said about Jim Jones. I, I and then somebody go who? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> if you don't know who I'm talking about, don't worry about it. <laughs> You're just gonna make me feel bad. <laughs> All right, but but I watch this on a regular basis. All right, so what you see here is the Apostle Paul, beginning in verse twenty-two. And following, he says, here they are. You've been with them. You've been listening to them. You've been buying their song and dance. Let me show you my credentials. Okay. And I'm going to start it out here that in verse 22, he wants to show the Corinthians. Now, you got to understand the bulk of the Corinthians 
were Gentiles. So if you had, you see it today. If you had these men come in from Jerusalem, all right, then they're more spiritual. I, I had a conversation with a, uh, um, a believing Jew, all right, and he told me that he attended a Messianic congregation. And I just looked him in the eye and says, what is it that I attend? I'm pretty sure that we worship Messiah too. Okay. Um, and, and if you go look at what Paul says, you got Jew, Gentile, and believers. And, and yet we, you, you think, well, this guy's Jewish. That makes him what? Okay. That doesn't make him better, make her better. And, and yet these guys would have come into Corinth after the apostle Paul and they would have waved their, their Jewishness at him. All right. Here's why I say that. Look at verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Okay. So he basically says, when it comes to Jewishness, I am equal to them. All right. You know what? It is very probable in the Apostle Paul's life. Now, you got to understand something about the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. All right. He was hardcore. And, I, and I'll show you some of this stuff here today. All right. He was hardcore. And then all of a sudden he goes to Damascus and now he's a Christian. But what was he doing to Christians? Persecuted, killing them. He held the coats as they stoned Stephen. All right. He was going to arrest Christians in Damascus. So the Christians are a little gun shy of him. Remember, Barnabas has to take him to Jerusalem and say, no, this is what God's doing through this man. All right. And, and still you have Christians who would be a little bit, you know what? He, he arrested my uncle Bob. They probably didn't have an uncle Bob and Jews, did they? Probably. Well, uncle Simeon. How's that? that better. <laughs> they arrested him. All right. So you still have to deal with that. I remember, uh, the president of the Baptist Union, his father was arrested by, uh, Vladimir Putin. And then he had a meeting with him. How awkward would that be? Okay. And yet <laughs> it worked. All right. So there's a good possibility the Jews hate him because he became a Christian. And I mean, I'm not talking disliked. They hated him. Okay. And the Christians would have been, well, I don't know. That's why God sent him to who? The Gentiles. All right. It's very probable that the false were questioning his lineage, his heredity. Are you really? Why? Well, does Paul have the right pedigree? Well, here's the problem. Where was Paul born? What's wrong with that? Gentiles. Gentiles. Does that mess with his lineage? Because if you look at the original 
12 apostles, they have something in common. They were all born in Israel. If they've got something more bizarre than that in common, 11 of them were born in Galilee of the, right? Judas wasn't. All right? So I want you to think about that because the originals were from Israel. All right? They were Jews. They were Israelites. They were descendants of Jacob. They were all children of Abraham. They were Hebrew. That was their nationality. They would be able to speak the language. They would be able to read the language. They would be able to write the language. That, uh, see, if you go look at the book of Acts, there was two types of Jews. All right. You had the Palestinian Jews, what you would call a Palestinian Jew. Okay. An Israelite Jew. And you had a Hellenistic Jew. Okay, they were classified as the scattered ones. The Hellenistic Jews, their language was what? Greek. All right. And then you had the Israelite Jews. Their language would have been Hebrew and Aramaic. All right. So all true Jews, with the exception of Judas, were the original apostles. And they were all part of the northern part of Israel up toward the, in the Galilean basin. Right? It was a rural area. It was an agricultural area. It was north of Jerusalem. And they all had that in common. So the apostles were Jewish. So when a person, I shared this last week, when a person claims to be an apostle and they want to make it definite, definite article, the office of apostle, then they have to be Jewish. Alright? And then the, You just don't run into those. Okay? I know more Hebrew than most Jews do. And that's because I use a dictionary. All right? So when we think about that, and they, and you, and you think about the office of apostle, one of the challenges that could have come against the apostle Paul was the fact that he was born in a Gentile city. So anyone claiming to be an apostle has to show that he is a Jew. And he has to show that he is a true Jew of the land of Israel, of Jacob. Jacob. See, whenever I say Jacob, did you know that he had his name changed? Do you know what they changed it to? He who wrestles with God. Or Hebrew for Israel. All right, so when you see Israelite, you're saying he is of Jacob. All right, so it is possible that the false were accusing Paul of not fitting the qualifications to be a true apostle, that he was born in a Gentile city and being born in a Gentile city disqualified him. Okay, well, the apostle Paul answers this. Um, true apostle. True apostle. Now, I'm not talking a generic. Apostolon, which is a messenger, a sent messenger. I'm talking about the office. He's going to have to be called by the resurrected Christ face to face. All right? And he has to be Jewish. All right? Um, these true would have to be racially pure. Hebrew in their speaking. 
Aramaic possibly too. Okay? They would not be of the Greek speaking of, of what they call the scattered. All right? Paul answers them. Jews, Israelite, Abraham. If you read it right through, Hebrews, Israelite, descendants of Abraham. He's all, you know, it's basically three ways of saying the same thing. All right? But they do have different meanings. All right? Hebrews, when you see there the first one there, are they Hebrews? All right? This would be a, a reference directly to the ethnicity of the individual. But it also has to do with the language and the writing. They are Hebrew people. Right? They are associated by the Hebrew language, and it keeps them together is this Hebrew language. All right, let me show you how this kind of got started. You have to go back a few years. Like Genesis 11. <laughs> let me show you something here that if you, you, you walk through this, and it starts talking about the descendants of Shem. All right. And the, the descendants of Shem are the descendants of the Jews. And if you read through there and you see there beginning of this verse 15, and Sheila lived 403 years after he became the father of who? Eber. All right. And he had other sons and daughters. Eber lived 40 or 34 years, became the father of Peleg. And Hebrew lived 430 years. Now, you sit there. Okay, now, read that word. Eber. Okay? Because he has a son that you know. All right? Grandson. His child is the father of Terah. Okay, you know who Terah is? He's the father of Abram. Okay, so Abraham comes out of Heber. All right, if you move on over to Genesis 14. This is after the three kings take on the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and they capture Lot. All right. In verse 13, it says, then a figure came and told Abram the what? The Hebrew. It's the first time it's used. Why? Where did the language probably come from? Eber. All right. So that's where it all got started. So he is a descendant of Eber. And the foreigners used to call the Jews what? Hebrews. If you go look at, you know, it's funny. I had a discussion with somebody who was trying to tell me that the Jews were never captive in Egypt. And I love it when people just say things. And then just because I say it, it makes it true. I said, well, that's weird. I said, you know, and he said, well, there were no Jews there. I said, no, they were just Hebrews. He said, what? I said, yeah, because the, the Egyptian writings of that era speak of the slave Hebrews. Okay. Which is completely different than Jews. I mean, do you realize how silly that is? I mean, I, I don't I mean, there's times that you just sit there and go, Lord, why do you wait? <laughs> Are you seeing just how dumb we can actually get? Is that it? I don't understand. Uh, and then we're going to call it wisdom. All right. But if you look at a lot of historical writings dealing with the Jewish people, when another 
race, Egyptian, Gentile, whatever, deals with him. Because Alexander the Great, okay, when he went through, he went through the land of the Hebrews. He didn't go through the land of Israel. He went through the land of the Hebrews. That's what, that's what they called them. All right. The Jews also used the name. It's like this. We take the name Christian. Why? Because we identify with Christ. When a Jew takes the name Hebrew, he's identifying with Abraham. All right. That's that's the only difference in you see that you can go look this up. I mean, I could exhaust this. I could preach this for months, but I don't think it would be worth it. Genesis 34, Genesis 40, Genesis 43. You see it over and over and over again. So the Jews and foreigners would use this. Okay, the Apostle Paul was born in Tarsus. All right. But he was a Hebrew in every sense. And I, and I tell you that I think he had problems with this because it's a recurring theme that he kind of deals with over and over again. Okay. He writes to the Philippians. Okay. Where are they at? Where's the city of Philippi? Macedonia. Does that sound familiar? It's the northern part of Greece. All right. So what's he doing down in Corinth? He's defending his heritage, his lineage. What does he say to the, the to the Philippians? Chapter 3, verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. So it's obvious that if he has to keep repeating this, that somebody's poking at him about it. All right. So when it comes to his nationality, his ethnicity, his language, he was every bit a Hebrew. Okay. He lived his whole life. Here's the thing that most people miss. He lived his whole life where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Surprise. Okay, and it says everybody in Jerusalem knew him. And his ways for his entire life. All right. And everybody says he just made that up. No, I didn't. Acts 22. (laughs) He is uh, been arrested, seized at the temple. So he's before the Sanhedrin council. And he says, brethren. And fathers, hear my defense, chapter 22, verse 1, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicily. But brought up in this city, educated under Gamali, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous to God, just as you are. All are today. All right. Go over a couple of chapters. Again, Paul. Paul uh, gets into trouble. They're going to just try to murder him in Jerusalem. So they transport him down to Caesarea. And he's for Agrippa now. And uh, it's funny because here we go again. 
chapter 26, verse 4. So then all the Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among our own nation at Jerusalem. Since they have known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sects of our religion. So he's got the city knows him. All right. They all knew from the beginning. He was born outside of Israel, but he was raised and grew up where? In Jerusalem. Okay. And and you know what? If he was being educated by Gamali, then all of the religious circles know this man. So he fit the qualification of ethnicity, but he also fit the qualification of language. He says what they are, say that they are Israelites. I already shared with you that. What do you mean I'm an Israelite? Well, if you're an Israelite, that means you are he, you are of the people who wrestle with God. The descendants of Jacob. All right. He had a religious life. Okay. A descendant of Jacob, he would deal with his social life. So you see it as a Hebrew, he followed the Pharisaical teachings. And if you see his social life, he was of the descendants of hangs out with Jews. He was faithful to his society and to the religion of the Jews. Okay, then it says of Abraham. Of Abraham. That's easy. I identify with all the Abrahamic covenants. Because that's the big thing for the Jews now. These promises God made to Abraham regardless of the people. He identified with God's promises to Abraham and to the descendants of Abraham. You are socially, Paul. You are religiously. Your language, your covenantly, your nationality, your ethnicity. Every way you want to cut it, Paul is there. Right? So he is equal in this The Jewish culture, okay? He had the habits of an Israelite. He had the theocratic kingdom that identified with God's chosen people in a promised land that God made through the covenant with Abraham. And he was pledged to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. He had all of the blessings of God and all the promises of God that were made unto Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. If you want to read those, it's Genesis 12. So when you look at the Apostle Paul in just this little verse, you can see that ethnicity, language, religion, society, theology, covenant promises, Paul is equal to the ones who had come up and falsely accused him. Paul's response to all of those, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Not only that, he uses 4 and 5 of Philippians 3, and he affirms his credentials and his callings to ministry. 
Because he can talk about before in his Jewishness to his zeal, a persecutor of the church. And as to righteousness, which is in the law, I was found blameless. Right? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. What he's telling the Corinthians is that these accusers, they can't take the mantle of Pharisee. Why? History says there was only about 6,000 of them. Because it was an extraordinarily, uh, how do I say this, painful group to hang out with. I I mean, you got to remember, they knew if you broke any part of the law, you were guilty of the whole law. You know the phylacteries? You remember hearing about it? What it is, it's a box. About like that, about like that. Okay? And it says, you will put my word upon your... Head and your forearm. And so what they would do, this is what the Pharisees come up with. They get a little box, it's got a leather strap around it. Big, long leather strap. And they put it on their forehead and they wrap it around. Alright? And so that little box is tied onto your forehead. And then they run it around your arm, they wrap it all the way around your arm, 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 and then they tie a knot right there between your, your thumb and your wrist. Why? I have the word up here and it's going right down on my forearm. And you can see them today. But if I look at that and I think, well, that's crazy. You know, I was down at the Wailing Wall and you want to be in sackcloth when you're wailing in travail to Jehovah. And they'll rent you one. I see the guy down there in a suit and he puts this sheet on and commences to ripping it. And he's got his little thing on his forehead and ding, 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 like this. And he's getting after it. And you're sitting there going, huh. And then you stick the prayer in the crack in the wall and it keeps going up to God, Jehovah, until it comes out of that crack. So edit your prayers. All right. So he was a Pharisee. He was of that line. He was of that line. Listen, the Pharisees were fanatical about the law. It was the Pharisees who came up with the Talmud. Okay, The Talmud is commentaries on the law. Okay, And in, in essence, the Ten Commandments. All right? Because <laughs> you want to see something that... Get, get you a copy of the Talmud. I know that there's a copy down at our library. I know that because... I ordered a set <laughs> and, you know, I told him I wanted a copy of the Talmud and because I'm a tax paying citizen, they had to order me a set. And so I know that the Douglas County Library has the Talmud, you know, whatever. So anyway, go down and look at the writings on keeping the Sabbath. OK, and I'll give you a specific place to go look. What does it mean to lift a load. Okay? And they concluded that a load was a fig leaf. Anything heavier in a fig leaf, you are breaking the Sabbath. Alright? And, and I've run into this. I remember wiring a house up in Evergreen one time, and the guy was hardcore uh, into Judaism. And he, on Friday night, starts the Sabbath and goes through Saturday night. And if you turn the light switch on, that was too heavy. Okay? So I had to put all of his light switch on floor pads. 
So if, like, you know, if you want to go up the stairs and you want to turn the light on, there was a switch there that you could use other than the Sabbath. Or you step on the pad on the ground and it would turn the lights off when you got up on top. He turned his... He got so bad, he put an electric heated driveway in because if it snowed on the Sabbath while he was watching it, he couldn't get out and shovel his driveway so it would melt off. Okay? Now, he had a lot of money, but you, I don't know. I, I've been an electrician long enough to know that electricity breaks down quickly. And I thought, you're going to have to replace all them stupid little pad switches and transformers and all this low-voltage stuff that is augmented by... And <laughs> He's going to keep somebody busy. But that's what they do. And you know what? They'll look at the law and then they surround it with the Talmudic writings. Okay? There is almost a thousand pages of what does it mean to move a load on the Sabbath. Really? They were fanatic about keeping the law. And you know what? These people who came into Corinth and probably what you see in uh, Galatians, probably what you've seen in Philippi, these are the Judaizers. They're coming back in saying that by grace you were saved in Christ. Now you have to keep the law. All right. You see that today in Roman Catholicism. You see it in Judaism. All right. The Apostle Paul in one verse says, I have what it takes to be chosen as an apostle. All right. When it comes to the standpoint of my birthright, do I have the heritage to be called into the office of an apostle? I've got it. His point is, I am equal to them in my heritage. As far as my race and as far as my religion, his phrase is, so am I. All right? I want you to know, Corinth, I am equal. But that's not my issue. That's not Paul's issue. Paul's issue is verse 23. Verse 23. Far more labors, far more imprisonments. Beaten. And then he goes right on through 28. Why? The real point of my apostleship compared to them. I'm superior. We'll deal with that next week. Okay. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and thank you for your just the faithfulness of protecting your word for all of these centuries. And yet, Father, the realization of your word and how it continues to just grow and to expand. And Father, how your word um, bears witness to itself. Father, it bears witness to your servants. Uh, it is, uh, huh, I guess, an infallible truth detector. Thank you, Father. Thank you for my brother Paul and I. Look forward to the day that I see him. And yet, Father, may each of us here today who are called by your name be faithful as Paul, servants as Paul, but Father, humble as Paul. Thank you, my King, my Lord, my Savior.
In Christ's name, amen.